The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate. Or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hi, I'm Kenna Danielle and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe in 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. All right. Today's going to be a little weird day because you're listening to Nick and Skippy in the mornings. That's right. IRLoneStar.com worldwide, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and of course, Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. Today's show is all pre recorded uh, due to a lot of things. So um, that is the way it is, the way it is. So we put on air in this episode on the 27th, and today's special guest is going to be Dr. Lisa White. I hope I pronounced that correctly. With, she's the president of the Sam Houston State University, the head honcho. Of everybody, hey Sean, check your mic box real quick because I cannot hear you. I, yeah, oh. it's not there. There you go. There you go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, I will not be muted. I will not be silenced. But we have no idea what time it is since we're recording this, so we're gonna be hanging out. And you feel free to join us on the Facebook group, uh, on the pay- live page, or you know you can always just visit us another dickenskippyatgmail.com. Blah 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 blah. I may tune into myself. Yeah. On Friday, listening to this. And maybe comment on how awesome I am. That's awesome, man. You should, yeah. you should totally do that. I'm totally going to do that. So, like I said, we have a special guest later in today's show. Very excited about talking to the president of the Sam Houston State University. Today's all. This week's all education, man. We had on Monday the uh, folks from University of St. Thomas, the mm-hmm. new Mac Center. And then we uh, are now having the... Thank you for the swag, ladies, by the way. Yeah. They, they gave then, us some uh, swag and some great information and a wonderful interview. Cool. And then uh, I do want to remind folks... Is let's kind of we're still doing our intro. Uh, you can text call us at any time 936-228-9368. That's a twenty four seven call in and message line. Uh, also, today's show sponsors Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. They are a small business office cleaning service here one time to schedule cleaning in the Montgomery County area. You can give them a call at eight three two six eight nine seven nine nine six or visit them online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com. If you're looking for somebody to do all your creative content creations, you know you should call is C3, Creative Content Creations, and uh, C3TheWoodlands.com. They do video, social media, copywriting. If it's creative and tangible, they do it. Uh, But yeah, so this is technically the day after Thanksgiving, so everyone's traveling safe back home and all that good stuff. I'm going to grab my coffee. You grab your coffee and I'll fill it in. There you go. Well, you know, we do want to tell people, so this morning we did our review, our another talk review. We did Torchies on Monday. Mm -hmm. This upcoming Monday, I believe it's going to be the 30th, we're going to be doing uh, McKenzie's Barbecue and Burgers Mm -hmm. here in Conroe. Uh, If you didn't know, they have a breakfast spot at their Conroe location on North Fraser. 
and it is uh let's just say i was very impressed with the what's going on there uh uh yeah you should check it out i would say right now like spoiler review check it out (laughs) um we were not disappointed no. So that's coming out on the 30th at 3 p.m., of course, our review of McKenzie's Barbecue and Burgers mm-hmm. Taco Review. There it's you go. Barbecue, Burgers, Tacos. So. Yes, that was a good good review. Yeah. And then they drop on well, Mondays you know, about 3 You know o'clock. what that place reminds me of? So, like, it reminds me. A hunting me, lodge. Because I know it's a family business. Uh-huh. And it reminds me of, you know, one of the siblings said, hey. Can we do breakfast, please? And like the the old man or old mom or whatever, who's the barbecue person, is like, we only do barbecue. <laughs> and then it's like, well, you let Todd do burgers. And then it's like, she's not gonna be quiet, is she? <laughs> and so like they let her do breakfast, and that's what they're doing. And that's what is that? I got that feeling where like yeah. this wasn't the main thing they're trying to do. The breakfast was an addition. It's like, okay, we're selling lunch, we're selling dinner. What are we missing? Maybe we should try selling breakfast. Yeah. I do you think let me ask you this. With the fast food world, you know, fast foods every like quarter they're trying some different food item, right? Right. And everyone's like, should they get in the breakfast game? Should they not get in the breakfast game? Blah 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 blah. And mm-hmm. you know, there's probably so much money spent in researching it, figuring out what food items to see. Like, for example, Wendy's now doing breakfast. It's not very good. I'm gonna say they uh Definitely are on the bottom of the list. Yeah, I would say and, Wendy's Burger King and Taco Bell tried it and it bombed. Yeah, I mean, it's and like gone. it's just—I mean, I don't think it's gone in some locations. I bet, but like for it, the most, it's just part. not part of it. It's not the staple. Now McDonald's for the longest time was the king with the but, egg McMuffin and then the pancake. Meal. But they—they they basically were kind of like Whataburger, where they're like, we're only serving it during these times, guys. Yeah, well, like, not like they've the, opened that. There up. was even scenes in movies that were that was the joke, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, sorry, that was five minutes ago. I was like, no, I want my egg McMuffin. That happened to me and, in Huntsville one time. I was driving up to Dallas to see family, and I was hungry, so I yeah. pulled into the the McDonald's in Huntsville. It was a Saturday. Apparently, it was visiting day for the prison because the line was out the door for people ordering their food and I'm waiting in line waiting in line I get up to the countertop I've been in line at least half an hour because it became kind of a, a personal this isn't quest like voting thing. day this isn't like voting day man. no but after about five minutes it's like you know what I'll be damned if I leave here I'm gonna get my, my breakfast I walk up I'm next uh, walk up to the counter start to place my order the lady says just a second please turns around and this was old enough where instead of the the TV screens it was the the the, the handle to change the menu she changed it to the they probably should have kept doing menu. that it's probably cheaper than maintaining those TV screens right but I said I want to make my she's like no we're, we just stopped serving breakfast it's 10 30 I'm like no I've been in line since 9 45 and I was so mad because they wouldn't do it and I said you well, no they, they had, that's what I'm saying they had like a hard it was like a reputation yeah. like, a hard, like Whataburger does the same thing hard stop and it, well, the reason we're talking about breakfast food items and fast food, it's like, how much of a, a change in a person's business is it required to do that? Because I feel like, like for example, Jack in the Box, I feel like in their training, basically everything just has to be thrown in a fryer, like that. Like so, regardless of what it is, like it's not like the their food prep is not hard. It's all kind of all mm-hmm. the basic because they serve breakfast all day. I don't think they've never not done that. I think like when they came out breakfast, like hey, if you want a breakfast sandwich for lunch, do it, dude. Jack in the Box. And so I figured that's what their motto was. So their prep and everything was all very simple. But McDonald's, for some reason, is like, no, we literally have to change out every single thing so we cannot sell it to you past 1030 because it takes us so long 
to transfer everything, it makes it impossible to do both. But they here's the thing. Here, here's my thought on why Whataburger hasn't done it yet. Because you have to have a dedicated oven, stovetop. Well, I think they actually cook the food at Whataburger. Do what? I think they cook. I think they That's do what more I mean. cooking. So with McDonald's, people, you rarely get a McMuffin for lunch. Certainly not for dinner. Very, I mean, very rarely. But they know that people go for the burgers. Whataburger breakfasts are so good that people could eat them 24-7. I think they literally don't have enough room in their kitchen to oh, have yeah. a dedicated breakfast-only thing. McDonald's, you can get away with it. Yeah. It's just one of those things. And now McKenzie Barbecue is doing, they're doing, they've probably been doing it for a long time. It was just, I was very impressed. Check it mm-hmm. out. And the talk review drops on the 30th at 3 p.m. There you go. So it is... As far as the listeners are concerned, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, are you looking forward to Christmas? Do you think, uh, I think someone made a joke that basically next February is going to be the end of COVID. Like everyone's going to like. The only reason, because, you know, before Election Day and stuff, I said that COVID would magically That's because you're away. wrong all the time. I, this is true. Well, once I thought it was wrong, but I wasn't. Yeah. But I really, my whole point behind that was shortly after Election Day or the election was decided, that's when the media would no longer care about the ramifications. Well, I, okay, let me ask one you way this. or the other. And an audience, I'd love to get y'all's uh, opinion on this because I feel like we're at a point of no return for certain rules mm-hmm. to be introduced because we had this little fiasco with the mask for the past, you know, eight months where we wear one, we don't wear one, we're required to wear one, we're my rights, you know, blah, blah, blah. People kind of smoothed it over. Like people are going to wear their masks or not going to wear their masks. So mm-hmm. it's. You're kind of you're kind of stuck with it, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, if you go to places that don't wear it, then that's what you're gonna have to deal with. So, you know, either don't go to those places or try to maintain your quality of life in the way you can control. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the norm now going forward. Yeah, I feel the same way after cigarettes were banned from most places. Yeah, instead and of leaving like, up to the business owner, the government stepped in slash intruded to say because i was you know i was a heavy smoker back in the day i'm a non-smoker now i i see both sides but i always felt that businesses to be that choice to be taken away from them by the government yeah and i mean because i see going forward it's going to be interesting to see the new administration because of the way society has been bubbling with trump for so long they demand some stuff they want to see something happen because Joe Biden is not Donald Trump, but they've been, you know, what I'm talking about like, cause mm-hmm. say, say you've been doing, you've been working out the same way for four years and then something like they change, you know, the barbell or something. And it's like, oh, now I got to change the way, but I'm expecting it to do the same thing. And so I'm like, the, I get that. So hopefully people's are still folk, like laser focusing on the president in this administration going, Hey, what are you going to do about these lockdowns? What absolutely you- not. That is absolutely not going to happen. The the fawning sycophant coverage is no, going I think, to rapidly No, I resume. think they expect him to listen this time because everyone— No, they will drop the bar so low that no, every time he completes the sentence without everyone, stumbling, they'll say, congratulations no, on your award-winning speech. Everyone's been building so much, uh, basically saying Donald Trump sucked at doing anything COVID. Which is why the first COVID death that happens under Biden is going to be, oh, it's it's— not because of this, it's because of them. It's What's gonna, I'm saying? So people are going to add the same scrutiny. It won't scrutiny go on, not until, on to Biden. I bet, I bet Biden tries to do something uh, federally, and then it's going to be one of those, uh, either he doesn't do anything because he doesn't want to get off on the wrong foot. Well, if you remember in the debates, well, what he was saying he would do was exactly what the Trump administration was already doing. I'm going to leave it up to the governors. 
Now he's saying mask mandate, and then they pointed out you literally can't do that, or I won't do a mask mandate, and then a lawyer said, well, actually, you can kind of get away with this. I'm going to do a mask mandate. And he's got I his, he's got his COVID czar saying, yeah, let's just lock down for six weeks. See, what's interesting to me about this mask mandate thing, so like it, me as a logical person going, okay, now everyone's required to wear a mask. So it, does, does the individual in, the mayor, in America become the police? Because basically Again, now, now you have you're to have like enforcement. What's I'm saying? So like if it, but I'm saying the understanding of the mask rules. Because mm-hmm. right now we're kind of like in the wild west, where like each location requires it. How many people can gather? Like we're, we're I don't even know in Texas. This is anymore. something that should be left up to the states. I know, but I'm saying I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if it was federally understood, everywhere's a mask. I feel like everyone would be like, "You're not wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. This person is not wearing a mask." Mm-hmm. And it's going to become like even higher because everyone's on the same rule rules now across the United States. Yeah. So everyone's going to be under that scrutiny, and no one is infallible when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: so you, to have a mask mandate, let's say, and you're outside, and your mask breaks. That's what I'm saying. Like everyone, you're arrested, or someone is dying in front of you. You administer CPR and you take that's off. What I'm saying people. Like, that's why you can't have a national mask mandate. Because one of the big issues with the states is no one really understood what other states were doing. So kind of like here, like Montgomery County was doing its own thing, and then Harris County was completely like turned up to eleven a little bit on mm-hmm. certain things. But like if I lived in Montgomery County and I just kind of like oh, I'm gonna go visit my aunt mm-hmm. in Harris County, not knowing the rules. And you'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And but if it was federally across the board, everyone's kind of told a couple of times this is the rules. I think it, I think the hatred videos and stuff will go up because everyone's under playing under the same rules, so everyone's going to get yelled at and all that kind of stuff. So I can see that happen. I think I can see it getting worse. Oh yeah, it absolutely is going to get worse. But the media will make it sound like a good thing. They I hope media so. can no longer afford to make anything I'm, Biden related look so, bad. So you know, I love reading the internet. And so people are like, like the whole internet. Yeah, everything. Like I'm, I'm probably. Gonna Did get you see that commercial where a guy finishes the, the internet. internet? That's pretty like, funny. Like, Bing, you have read everything in the world that needs reading. That's that's kind of depressing. Uh, well, no. Anyway, you run across like you know, I'm a, I like conspiracy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I would say, uh, mainly because I wouldn't invest too much time and stuff. You I, enjoy a good spy thriller. I think what it is, I enjoy the story. Yeah. The good structure. I enjoy. I, got good, you. I enjoy good story. I got you. Uh, especially that's why I like SVU. There's a lot of twists in the. In the I mean, that's that's the ultimate show. Uh, so the twists in SVU is who's blinking who. No, it, 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 there's some of them are all over the place. Like, oh, they actually turned out to be his her son. That's oh, crazy. I, okay, so I, I know we're all over the map, but I saw one episode where apparently it was a dad and his adult daughter, and it was. Not only was that just so gross and everything, but then they find out that there was actually wasn't a law against it. Oh, I don't doubt it. Because she was of age, and apparently, like there was no incest law in New York or something. And I'm like, ah, I can't, I can't, I can't watch it. But anyhow, you were saying, SVU. Well, I'm saying I enjoy a good story. So yeah. with the conspiracy stuff, I like reading and like seeing what they're doing. And they talk about these news channels, like don't don't pay attention to Fox anymore. Pay attention to OAN. I think it's OAN. Yeah, OAN, One American Network. And then there's another one. Newsmax. Where are these channels? Is it all on Facebook or something? No, they have, you know, they're on the cable channels. Oh. Some of them. Um, but they're like recent additions. Like my mother was talking about Newsmax. She's like, I don't, I don't have it on my cable. And I showed that because I have her channels on a, a favorites list. 
And I said, well, let's just go to the main list and add it to your favorites. Yeah. There, there it is. Well, like, because it, it, it's kind of one of those things that, like, for example, Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of. You I, are indeed. I'm a fan of Alex Jones. He's a little crazy. and <laughs> But, like, I know how to. Just a bit. I know how to get his material because, I mean, he's, he's a great salesman. So I remember most of his stuff. Mm-hmm. I never think of it as a TV show because he used to be on TV for, like, 10 plus years. Right. And, I, th- I mean, I think what confuses me is there's a whole nother world of absorbing news that I'm not a part of. Yep. And I feel like I'm missing out on it. But I feel like I'm not missing out at the same time because it's like, to me, that's the stuff that churns people. Those kind of like, you know, CBS and all that kind well, of stuff. What I tend to do, I have my Echo set up at home. And I thought you were going to say Echo Chamber. Like, <laughs> yeah. And Echoes can do what's called a flash briefing. You can load yeah. it up with your morning, you know, so you say, uh, Alexa, play my flash briefing. And mine involves the word of the day, the joke of the day. You know things like that, the local weather, and then born in this day. Yeah, uh, then the news from twenty three and Me. We found a new sun for you. (laughs) You're right. Uh, Then my news input, just on my Echo, it's Fox, CNN, Reuters, BBC, and and so I get those four because and it's amazing to hear the headlines. Why would you? Why would you do BBC if that's a government controlled news organization? Because believe, believe it or not, it, well, first off, the BBC headlines. Because to me, that's just as bad as RT and stuff like that. Like, if it's owned by the government, I would not. Oh yeah, to in it. England, I remember having to. We had to, like you NPR have, to believe, have a license to watch believe TV. anything NPR tells you. Owned by the government. Come on, guys, let's be real. <laughs> but it, it BBC is good about giving world news. CNN no longer yeah, does because they want to tell you what their point of view of the world is from the government's point of but view. But from in, that, in you, you take okay, what you want. If anything, that's oppression news because it's what it's, news? A, it's oppression news because it's, it's a Western view on what the world should be doing. Yeah. So there you go. Boom. There you go. I may add Al Jazeera to my news input, but what I'm saying is I, I start off with four news inputs that are kind of diametrically they're separate from each other big time. CNN and Fox. Yeah. Um, well, I think what's interesting about it, like where I was going with the whole conspiracy theory and like finding out the news, is when are we going to start asking, is this new, is this even newsworthy? Because I feel like a lot of the larger news organizations, they're faced with the challenges of the technology today. So now they're basically like doing the, what is it, like the, the spaghetti against the wall kind of analogy where it's like, we have to do something we have to do. We got to see, like we got to do as many things as possible because we got to get clicks. Mm-hmm. And I think that as, Oh, that's where CNN's going to like really nose dive in MSNBC. Well, they, maybe they already because it, have. They'll no longer have, yeah, oh, they're already in the ba- uh, ratings are in the basement, but without Trump to rile people up once we're going to assume that Biden assumes the presidency yeah. right now. Now until everything's certified, well, no, like the, nothing's the, official. The way my the way my my conspiracy theory mind will work if I was going to be conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. it'd be something that was so dang, dang damning to the fundamentals of our government that Trump finds out or something. Mm-hmm. Then it, that's the only way he's going to win. Like yeah. I'm talking, like this has been going on for. The, well, know, it's got to work its way up. Everything has to work its way up. To the it's like a shadow court. government exposure kind of thing, which you know I would love to see because you know watching watching that would be very entertaining. The X file syndicate, yeah, something like that. But in reality, do I really expect that to happen? No. So with so. the assumption, the the presumption, I'll say that that Biden becomes the next president. Yeah. That in mind, 
with without you know as, as Nixon famously said, you won't have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. And it's true. Once they no longer have Trump to kick around. Well, we talked about that. The void he'll leave. And, yeah, and then because like, but what they'll do is they'll go back to the previous administration's sycophancy of sucking up at all. See, and, I don't. But the bar is going to be set so low with that president that if he can do a coherent sentence or, or do see, a I press conference, because it'll they'll applaud. That's what they already did. The the first press conference that Biden had given. No, okay. So what I'm trying to tell you, they applauded at the end of it. What I'm trying to tell you is I don't believe that a hundred percent. I could see that going as business norm to like the CNNs, mm-hmm. but the way. The Twitter and the social the social news networks have learned to produce content based off of Trump's presidency. They're going to continue the same behavior, mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna. No, I'm talking about the Twitter people, not CNN. I'm talking about Twitter people. Kind of like the Me Too movement when the Me Too movement happened, and miraculously everyone was getting accused, and miraculously everybody was guilty. Mm-hmm. A bit like you know, 50 but Twitter's per- proven that like they, 50- they're going to pick and choose what they want oh, on a platform now. I'm saying people on Twitter are, gonna, are like the you know the people who are keyboard warriors. Mm-hmm. Will continue doing it, kind of like they're doing a little bit today, where they're like, "Can you see in this transition team that he has X Y Z on his team, and this guy used to be X Y Z? Can you believe it? He's totally going against what he said." I mean, I think that happens regardless, but I think with Twitter and social media, it's going to get ramped up. And it's gonna be it's gonna be entertaining because of well, don't forget. I think the 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 statistic is ten percent of Twitter you Twitterers produce ninety percent of the yeah. content. I'm not and, when, and, when I say Twitter, I also meant like social media because I'm just saying people are gonna be able to publish whatever they want and then not on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, I can't. Facebook wait. and Twitter gets to determine what they post. Yeah, but and they'll, they'll but, flag their comments. But it'll be stuff for Donald Trump, but not like so they don't like that. But with Trump gone, they're not gonna be like, oh man, what do we do? And with Trump gone, it'll be incumbent on the media to hold Biden and Harris under the same microscope. And that's the one thing they can't afford to do because they spent the last four years blaming everything bad in the world on Trump. So if the same bad things happen under Biden, you can't and they no longer have Trump to blame. They can't blame Biden. So they're yeah, going to gonna not be, cover it's, it's, it or gloss to it me, over. It's not. It's going to be an uphill battle for the United States to uh, come back from Trump. They should have just let it landslide. They should have just let him let him done his damage, <laughs> and then instead of fought the current, just let it happen, and we'll get over it. Because mm-hmm. now I feel like, because this is the way the conspiracy theory mind goes. Now I feel like if he, if that shadow thing I was talking about, like uh-huh. if he does find out, I can totally see him doing the third year president, the third term thing after that. Because he's kind of like, see, I didn't even get to be president for my first my first term because of the, you know all this stuff was blocking me. So I could see him trying to re- pull out that reasoning. Because he like can prove that his first year and like everything's against him, so he's like, I wasn't even legitimately president then, so I should be able to do a third term. And I can see it. I mean, knowing that guy, yeah, totally. <laughs> I I could see that too. So I'm just saying that's my that's my prediction, my hot. Take. Yeah. So I, I have no high hopes for the media or the entertainment yeah. industry in general, especially with Andrew Cuomo getting a an international Emmy for his. Deft use of well, I feel like television during I, the COVID crisis. I, that I, just... Well, I feel like that's like a network of high society people. And it's like, hey, you know, who's been in the news recently for the past year? Who could we give this to that bumps up the Emmys and people talk about it? Boom, give it to them. Well, to me, it's kind of like how... Does that make sense? Time kind of couches it's their, like, their man like, of the year thing where it's like... Time can make Hitler the man of the year because it's like it's not necessarily the the best person, but the most influential person. Yeah. You know that's what they do, and that's why they, they they've gotten away with a lot. 
And to me, this, this whole dig Emmy, it. I dig nah, it. Can't. I dig that reasoning because that to me that stir that gives you an idea. Of that's a flat out cri- whitewashing. To me, that's critical thinking. If you do like Hitler as Time Person of the Year, yeah, but I'm talking about Cuomo getting a, an Emmy for his deft use of television. Oh no, I think he got it because he's that's part like of, giving Hitler no, the Emmy for best use of an no, oven. No, he got it because he it's I, I bet he got it because of the high society part as he's in, mm-hmm. and people are like, hey, we want to give this to one of somebody who's. Like we got to get mind off the fact that all these people died on his watch, because and and so if we give him an Emmy, he can use that. I mean, I don't know really know what Emmys are, so I mean, to me, that's an inner circle thing to show off. Like, no, it's, 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 it's an Oscar for I'm television. Not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, Sean. If you brought me an Emmy, I wouldn't be impressed. Right. Like if you if you well, you can get local Emmys. What's I'm saying? Like I would. I don't know. I don't know the the prestigious amount. Like if you showed me an Oscar that you got, I'd be like, that's cool. Like, what about a Golden Globe? No, I think the EGOT thing would be the most impressive thing. That I, that's when I would be impressed. Okay, you know what that is, right? Isn't that Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony? That's it. So, like to me, that's talent. That, that person's got talent. Has anyone got an EGOT? <laughs> oh yeah, there are many EGOTs. Many. I mean, that's when I'd be impressed. If yeah. you had all those together, I'd be like, you know what? You challenge yourself. Because to me, that would be a big challenge. That would be a big challenge. Because there's no way to get an EGOT in one go, right? Like, if you do one piece of work. <sighs> I mean, te- no, because, for instance, television, you can't have a movie well, and release in the cinemas and then go you, on TV. You well, can't what, get both. What, he, what you could do is you create the universe that allows a TV show and a movie and a play somehow. Mm-hmm. And you're in all of it. Yeah, that would be well. Again, it couldn't be one entity though, because an Oscar has to be released in cinemas, and a TV show can't not it can't have been released in cinemas. It has to be on TV. What's I'm saying, like, say say you have the money, and I'm like, hey, so I you wrote, do a TV version of your movie. Like, say I do 24 of the TV show, right? And it's a popular show, and it's like, hey, we're coming out with season six, but we're or let's do X Files. X Files definitely should be an egot. Uh, basically, someone the, the the musical. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So. Does it totally have to be a musical? Isn't it just a stage play? Or does it have to be a musical? No, no, no. An Obi, an Obi is musical. Tony is... It's like a, whatever, just uh-huh. stage? Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't have to be a musical, but I would love to see an alien dance number. That would be really great. With bees everywhere? Oh, that'd be great. Um, but, yeah, think about it. You could produce the TV show, write it all out, and produce the movie, do the movie, and you can coincide the releases and everything... All together, if you really wanted to, like, go for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think the X-Files would win it, but... the Go for it. I, I want to believe that it would work. See what I did there? Because, like, in the, for the television Emmys, you can do a miniseries. You don't have to do a TV show. Mm-hmm. So you can do, like, a three-parter thing. Like what the Brits do. Right? Yep. So there you go. You don't have to commit to a whole the season. Basta. You can just do, you know, an hour and a half, three-parter series. Kind of like that Sherlock. What's on your phone? I was checking up the origin of the Obie Award. Oh, okay. The Obie Awards are off-Broadway theater awards, or annual awards given to the Village Voice newspaper to theater artists and groups in New York City. That don't appear on Broadway? And Broadway Correct. is Off-Broadway. Is Broadway technically a street, or is it yes. a brand? Yes, it's both. Well, I mean, like, could I perform a Broadway play, but not on Broadway? No. It's okay. got to be in one of the Broadway theaters. So if they put up a poster, like, at the Hobby Center, I think that's where they You can it. say... Was Broadway, on Broadway. Yeah, if it ran on Broadway, you can 
listed as a Broadway show. That's I think we talked about this. So it's the street itself, not the, the theater on the street. Okay. There so, are many theaters on Broadway Avenue. So what happens if like, and this is just hypothetical. Don't I'm mm-hmm. just trying to nitpick it. Mm-hmm. Say I put up a box, a black box theater on Broadway. Well, they have them, but okay. Is that considered Broadway? Yeah. Nice. You can have an intimate theater. But the problem with that is that... You probably get in trouble with the Broadway people if you're trying to claim on Broadway. Well, right. there's, but there's that, but also where you, literally where are you going to put it? Every building is crammed with theatrical equipment. It's not like you can build a new... You do it in that way. <laughs> have you seen? Yeah. And the, have you been to Broadway? The musical John... Oh, is it uh, John Jones? Yeah, no, it has to be Jim Jones. Jim Jones, the musical Jim Jones. Cool, I've, been, the I've, musical. I've been writing it. Did you know that? <laughs> They have a they have yeah, a there's a whole segment that is called stir stir the yeah. stir the Kool Aid. No, it's just not literally on the avenue. You can't put on a street performance on Broadway Avenue. Say I ran on Broadway. It's it has to be in one of the sanctioned theaters that are part I of Broadway. There's some and high then society literally thing. a block away starts off Broadway. Yeah, and then you can also have off off Broadway, and then you can also have way the heck off Broadway. Fair enough. And that would be my, my level. I was curious about that. That's yeah. Fun. But uh, I'm looking for my phone. Give me a second. Your phone? You want me to call you? Someone called Dick on his phone? Yeah. I don't know where I put it. It is what it is. I'm probably charging it. There you go. Well, uh, you know, it is right now. We got about, we're at the 30 minute mark. You want to take a quick break? Let's take a, let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break. It's Friday for you. It's Friday for you guys. You're listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings, IRLoneStar.com. Don't forget. Later in today's show, we're going to be having Dr. Elisa White, the president of the Sam Houston State University, on with us. So stay tuned to that at the 10 o'clock hour. we got about 30 more minutes or so with us. So uh, join us. All that good stuff. We'll be back. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is a nonprofit organization serving Montgomery County and surrounding areas, dedicated to the health and well-being of the boxer breed. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is run and managed 100% by volunteers since 1999. Our main objective is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome boxers that come to us from many sources, including local animal shelters, owner surrenders, and strays. For more information about Lone Star Boxer Rescue, visit our website at lsbr.org. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Welcome back to Dick and Skipping in the Mornings, Lone Star Community Radio. Oh, if only you knew the things that went off. Yeah. Went, went on during the off 
times. Yeah, so just to remind everybody, you're listening to Dick and Skipping in the Mornings here Monday, Wednesday, Friday from uh, 9 to 11. And today's show, we're going to have a special guest uh, in about 20 or so minutes. We have Dr. Lisa White from the Sam Houston State University. She's the new president. And uh, today's show is actually all recorded. So uh, we apologize. So if you're listening live and you want to know more about what we're doing and get with us, uh, feel free to call us, 936-228-9368. Email us at dickenskippy at gmail.com. Blah, 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 blah. Today's show is uh, brought to you by Clean Sweep Office Clean and C3 Creative Content Creations. There are wonderful sponsors for today's show. If you're interested in services uh, from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning or C3 Creative Content Creations, uh, check the description below. We have all the contact info for them. And, yeah, so uh, in the first segment, we kind of went all over the place. We did our little predictions with the, the horrible government of the United States, uh, the future of it, and mm-hmm. see what's going on. So hopefully, I've if, never if, been more happy for hundreds of channels available to me on streaming than I am now. What do you mean? In the old days, we had our three channels, four if you were oh, lucky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we have Newsmax. You were force-fed. Uh, yeah, I haven't even really I haven't watched right. Newsmax. Let's, let's go. Okay, let's, let's, let's but do I mean this. just entertainment in general. I don't want to be stuck with CBS, oh, like yeah. shows like All Rise, where it's a show about an activist judge, and that's the last thing a judge is supposed to be. So I like for that time frame to say, you know what, I'm going to watch... Devs on Hulu or yeah, Mandalorian. I mean, uh, there, dude, Man- Mandalorian. Have you been watching the new season? Yes, I just haven't seen the most recent one. Yet. I'm, I'm, I'm told. I think we talked about this. Like, I'm still disappointed in that show. Like, it's, it's gotten a little meta not, this season. First season, good. first it's season, I loved because it was a spaghetti western. Now they're just kind of who's the guest star? Who's and they're bringing characters that I have no idea who they are, but because they're in the expanded universe, like this Bo Gatan. All I know is that it was Starbuck playing her. I have no idea who this person is, and they don't explain it in the show well, that well. So it's like because you have to know who this person is already. And well, not even that. I think I think the issue is they have certain shows have a what do you call it like a a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, let's do the story of the week rhythm for five episodes straight. Usually that works every other episode. And then, like, at least there's filler. You know what's going on. Because it feels like when you're watching that show, at the very beginning, he's supposed to go somewhere. He's taking this child somewhere. We're six episodes almost in, and he doesn't, still doesn't really know where he's taking this child. Like, it's like... Where are we going here? Yeah, we gotta find a place. We gotta to find it. We gotta find it. Hey, he's got the best luck at finding babysitters of any guy I've ever seen. And let me tell you something: if I ever meet this Mandalorian character, I'd be like, "Man, you can just say no sometimes. <laughs> like, you don't have to help." That is not the way. Well, no. Like, you you literally can just take the armor. You can just kill the dude. <laughs> like, you don't have to listen to what this. You guy don't have is. to kill the giant slug. Yeah, like uh, you don't, or not even that. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me sometimes. Like, you don't have to take the transporter passenger. You can just put a gun to their face and, like, tell me where it is. Like, you're, you're a Mandalorian. Like, come on, man. You're not supposed to be a good or a bad guy. Like, you can do whatever you want. But he's a good Mandalorian. No, he's stupid, man. But there's something about Star Wars that I've always noticed the universe. It's. It, it relies on the fans knowing the inside scoop, and this this Not is really that, the originals didn't. Well, they did, and actually, because this is something that bugged me for the longest time. What's the name of the desert planet that Luke is on? Tatooine. Okay, when's the first time that planet's ever mentioned by name? You mean like chronologically in the series? 
watching you no know, from how they were released from episode four, five, okay. six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. When is the first time? I want to say it's Return of the Jedi. Nope. Well, uh, the very end of Empire Strikes Back, where Luke says, "I'll see you on Tatooine." Now everybody knows what he means when they're watching that, yeah. but the name is never mentioned. But it's because people were so into Star Wars and the expanded universe, it was the assumption that you would know. Now, originally in the script, they do mention Tatooine's name in A New Hope, or you know the, the first one, but that got cut. Was it in the scroll? No. I'm pretty sure Tatooine is in the scroll. Have a look. Did you, and remember, you got to go off the original scroll. No, 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 dude. We're doing Do whatever, the original, we're doing original Star whatever Wars Whatever the fat scroll. man says is the... you got to go off the original Star Wars... Let's look at that. Opening crawl. Scroll. Yeah, crawl. I'm looking, I'm looking, dude. He's uh, looking. He's looking. Oh, hold on. Uh, he's looking. The original 1977 opening crawl. We have it. I have it right here. If you need it. Oh, you found it. Yeah, it's right here. It didn't say. What, what you read it? Then I can't. I'm getting like. There we go. I'm getting like the history of the crawl, not the actual text. I will give you the actual. Um, Are you hold watching on. Three, it? two, one. Skip ad. Here it is. Oh, see, I'm looking. At, what is the text? Start? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Here we go. We're gonna have music playing. I'm. I've muted it so we can't get busted oh, right by here. copyright police. I got it right oh. here. I found it. Uh, you know, it doesn't say it. Yep. And so Star Wars has always had that problem, just with the assumption that, well, you should know what tattooing is because it's in our expanded universe with the books and stuff. I have no idea who Bo-Katan is. Like I said, all I know is, hey, Starbucks in, in Star Wars now. But they don't really explain who it is or anything, or this because now people are going, oh my gosh, this new gal is going to be in it because she's in Star Wars Clone Wars. And so they're kind of losing me. Was she in Clone Wars? Yeah, the Bo-Katan, apparently so, but with some other one who looks like she's got horns. I don't even know who the names are, but... I like it. Everyone's talking about these are going to be the next people. They're losing people like me who I loved. I'm a traditionalist. I love original Star Wars, or the, the main line. Well, I, but all these extra things, I don't care about Boba or Django or you well, know, the thing these is, histories. Boba Fett popped up on The Mandalorian. I had no idea who, who that was. You know, They had this... Actor, you see his face and the music builds, and I'm like, uh, I, who, who are you? And then it's like, oh, that was Boba Fett because that's the actor who played Jango Fett and uh, 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 Phantom Menace. And this? this, I missed that. Yeah, in the Mandalorian, uh, two episodes ago. Wait, Boba Fett's alive? Well, it was the actor that played. You remember, you saw, never saw Boba Fett's face, but you saw Jango Fett. Who Boba, everyone's two. a clone from? Yeah, episode two. Yeah, uh -huh. and so it's that actor. Oh, you see him. So people are going, "Well, it can't be Django because it's too late. It's got to be Boba Fett. He's alive." And again, in if you just saw the main movies, you would have no idea for that connection because of Boba Fett. You never saw his face. Star Wars has always had that problem. I never knew that. I never knew he was in the Mandalorian. Didn't I? Didn't I, I mean? He pops up at the end, and and of course the music builds. So it's like, okay, this is obviously someone important, but they're losing me because I they're not explaining. Well, I do know there's a history of the Mandalorians, and I do like when that lady was talking about when she took her mask off and stuff like that. I knew there was a division within the Mandalorian planet and things like that, and like I do, I I know that just through playing video games and all that kind of stuff. And the I think what's kind of hard for a creator 
And it's similar to the challenge that I think Marvel Marvel did so well is create the universe that people love so much in the comic books and make it approachable by the average person. Absolutely and, correct. And I you know, with Mandalorian, unfortunately for their creators, is they're creating stuff based off the past five years of crap. So it's like Or different, you know, these different cartoons and Well the and cartoon stuff. apparently is highly rated. Like Yeah, but like, I I know I'm just saying like that like out of all the Star Wars stuff in the past ten years, I think the Clone Wars is like rated the best one besides mm-hmm. the Mandalorian. I'm sure it is. So and that there, that was more of the lore, more because I mean they had Darth Maul in it, and like there was a whole backstory of Darth Maul what happened after he got chopped in half. And well, I would presume he's dead because no, he got, got chopped in half got, and fell got, down a chasm. No, he's 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 a Jedi dude. He fell down What's, a bottomless pit. I'm telling you, man. They talk about it. They talk about it. He got like, cut in half and fell down a bottomless pit. There is no coming back from that. But, I, I mean, the main issue, though, I'm running into the Mandalorians. I feel like nothing's happening in every episode. Like, I get the first two it's episodes to have fun. But that's what a no, spaghetti western that's is. That's not even slow, man. This isn't even slow. This is like, like they're, I'm kind of questioning if they're even moving forward. You know, it's like, are we even going anywhere? Where is on idle here? I mean, but you made a really very good point with the Avengers, and here's the thing for the the Avengers or for the the Marvel movies. You know, the whole yeah. phase one, two, three, whatever they are, they had origin stories for everyone involved. So you, you got to say because it was all the well, same. Everyone had a planet. Everyone had like a religion. But it was on the that same planet. group of films. Now let's say they introduced Galactus. Made him up. Made up character. No, Galactus. Oh, he's what's, the, what, Galactus is the planet killer. He's the one that uh, Silver Surfer is the herald. Okay, of I, I thought you were talking about Star Wars. It's like yeah, no, in, in Marvel. Okay. So, but they only use Galactus because there was a cartoon of the Silver Surfer ten years ago. And if they suddenly just put plunk that in the middle of the the Marvel movies, the Avengers movies. And saying, well, you needed to watch this 10-year-old cartoon. People be like, no, you got to. Yeah. And I feel the same way about Mandalorian right well, okay, now. Okay, so one of my favorite uh, YouTube channels is called Red Letter Media. Uh, it's a bunch of I've dudes. I've heard of them, but what are they? they they're they a bunch of dudes. I think they're in Milwaukee or they're somewhere up north. Five, and six, seven, eight. They oh, review movies, oh, and they have, they have topic stuff that I love. Like one of my favorite things they do is called Best of the Worst. Okay. So what they do is three or four of them get together and they pick movies from the like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Like Manos Hands but, of Fate. But, but yeah, like horrible movies. And they basically review them mm-hmm. and they talk about it and they choose which one's the best of the, of the worst. worst. And then that's when they recommend you go watching it. And so, like, Oh, they, I got to add them they, to my podcast they find, list. Well, it's a YouTube. Okay. It's YouTube. So like they find these movies. I don't know how they find them. <laughs> But they find them, and they're they're actually like there were the kind of folks who I don't know how much scripting goes into it, but they seem to know a lot about like the inner workings of Hollywood, even back in the '60s. Like they know the actors' names, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, this is featuring so. It's kind of like you, yeah. Like oh, they used to be on that TV show Mash, and like you know, half yeah. I, I need to tune into this so YouTube channel. They're really good, but they were talking about the Boys season two. Mm-hmm. And one of them brought up a really good point about me constantly being upset about the weekly releases and not doing a full release of the, of the season. And they, they made a good point about The Boys Season 2. He goes, he goes, he goes the only thing I can think of the reason they're doing it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, the only reason I can think they're doing it like this where they release an episode every week is because they want to keep the subscribers on. But what they're missing is the social media impact the shows will have 
because when people go to the social media, they're not talking about the boys anymore because they couldn't just watch all of it. And they're going to social media. Have you seen the boys? I Have see. You, what like, any, by spreading it out so much, you don't get to go as deep and get the yeah, audience. You don't that get, makes sense. You don't get the social media movement. And he goes, I think people are going to notice that because the way these shows are written are meant to be binged. The way the story plays out and everything. And now that, because mm-hmm. if you think about watching The Mandalorian, I bet you a lot of the stuff online says this episode sucked. This episode sucked because nothing's really happening. And it's kind of like, if you continue saying it sucks, even though the whole, as a whole, it might be awesome. But like, this is the releasing of episode to episode. That's a very good point. I felt the same way when I was binging 24. Yeah. Now, here's the thing over, I watched 24 when it first came out and I, you know, that was how it was done back then. There was always the week, there was no streaming and no binging. So that's how it was. However, watching it again in a less than a 24 hour period, obviously, because you know, the no more commercials, but you got that sense of urgency because there were some really stinky episodes, but since they were standalone with a week on either side of them, like uh, the daughter with the mountain lion. Yeah. So like some of them were good, some of them were bad. It was horrible, but Watching it, you know, going straight from this hour, it was like a quieter hour, but immediately the action picked back yeah. up because there was no time to think and about I, it. And that made a good point. I was thinking that way because it's yeah. like, you know, how these internet companies like Netflix, the streaming companies kind of grade their shows is what people are saying online. And and I think that they're going down the wrong path, in my opinion, when they do this weekly release. The only thing I would do like a weekly release for is like the reality television. Or you stuff. could have a show that's made for a weekly release. Yes, and stuff like that. And and because can you imagine your daily soap opera like Days of Our Lives or All My Children or General binge, Hospital binge watching? No, no, being once a week. No one would watch them. Yeah, you well, don't want to wait a week. And I think that's the problem with yeah, especially with the Mandalorian sense. is like you. And this is, I mean, I'm not like the perfect critiquer in the world, but I feel like the stuff I like is usually really good. Mm-hmm. And like even surprise my wife sometimes. She's like, oh, that was really, really good. I'm like, yeah, I, I like good stuff. You know, I boast about it. But with The Mandalorian, and I would love, like, I can't see anyone liking this new season as much as the last previous season at all. Like you have to really convince me that you enjoyed this season so far. Like it's better because it stinks. Like it I can understand it being okay because it's well done, but it's still, like, it stinks. Like, to me, the whole, so far, the Well, arc, I have to watch it because Mrs. Skippy wants Baby Yoda for Christmas. And like, It's kind of like watching the last season of Game, Game, or, like, the past two seasons of Game of Thrones. It's like, this stinks. Like, this is stupid. I, I think the whole, uh, yeah. It's just kind of like, you could tell it stinks. Well, this is interesting. Someone actually pointed this out to me. For years, I groused about, and didn't grouse, but I, I was amused by the fact that the Korean War itself lasted four years. Okay. But M.A.S.H., the TV show about the Korean War lasted for almost 12, so three times. And I was like, well, that's just, you know, stupid that, you know, we spend 12 years on a show where, you know, and someone pointed out, but that was only watching it once a week with gaps over the summer. Yeah. That in the I mean, quote, I- reality, it wasn't like these things happen once a week, this is every day. So if you take these 12 seasons or oh, yeah, 12 yeah. years and put it down towards almost every day then it comes out to about four years and that made sense and it's kind of apropos well, of yeah i mean that, and i think that it's kind of like the simpsons and stuff where the kids never grow like in south park and other shows that have kids in it they never go to another grade or they slowly get to another grade 
And I don't think, but I also think that the way you write a show, that's not the important part of it. Like they're just going to be kids Mm -hmm. because that's what always impressed me so much with the, the philosophy behind South Park was they wanted to do a show with fourth graders because fourth graders that age where they experience a whole new world, but they don't know how to basically comprehend what's going on. So they make stuff up. Right. And that's where he go. And like one of them I was listening to a show is like, that's when you start making up words that become a fad or like you start like, that's where fads are born for four year old or Mm -hmm. fourth grade, because you think it's cool or you don't think it's cool. And then like, it goes from there and they had so much creativity around that because there's so much things you could just make up. And I think it's, and it's to me, that's uh, the certain shows have that strong point to make where it's the, their base is always going to be a good episode because they're following that certain base. Kind of like Star Trek, mm. Star Trek, the next generation was so good because they built these characters and they, so like whatever scenario they put in, they could build a strong show each episode because mm. we have such strong characters. And that's why, I, that's why I like that show. Like that's what the problem with lost was. Lost characters, they were like, you liked them, but then they didn't have, like, a full circle of strong characters. They always had, like, one or two, and the other ones, like, no one really liked. or like. Well, that's when they brought in the Nikki and Paolo thing to kind of answer that, and it just blew up yeah, in their well, faces. Yeah, what's I'm saying? Like, it, it just never felt like the whole team was together. Even at mm-hmm. the end, you didn't really know if they are all together, you know? And, yeah. like, you wanted them to be, but it was just kind of like they didn't know how to do it, which is understandable. I got it. You know what show I, I really want to rewatch, and I wish they mash. No, Jericho. It's on Hulu, I believe. Uh, well, I mean, like, because I know they. Uh, if no one knows what that show is, it's one of those po- post-apocalyptic kind of shows. Well, where, it's apocalyptic. It, it's oh yeah, the it happens. The, I watched the first episode. The nuke. Have you not seen the show? I, I watched the first two episodes. It's, of it's it. good. Like, well, the problem with that show was it was the, depressing. Well, the world building was excellent. Because it's about a small town, Jericho, mm-hmm. that's outside of a large town that blew up, basically. Like, apparently, there were sort of, you know, strategic nukes went off. And so, this is like the first... Oh, uh, tactical nukes. Ta- well, yeah, whatever. Uh, but the, basically, the show starts off like day one when the nukes go off. Yeah, and they're trying to find out what's going on. And so, they're like in a small town, mm-hmm. kind of like Conroe, say. Not as close to Houston, per se. But like, it's like the 30 days of what's going on with the town, resources, all this kind of stuff. And then, like, the second season, is, it gets more... Oh, it actually made it into a second yeah, season. Yeah, they have a second season, and then it went... The third season was turned into a comic book. But then they turned it into, like, a spy thriller. So... Well, I remember watching near the end, I think it was flipping channels, and, like, one of the guys had a a laptop that was working for some reason because yeah. it was shielded, and he was in... And so he's talking with someone and going... Are you guys safe? So I knew that there would be a, a well, bigger world. Well, there's a bigger world to it, but like it's kind of like the the Grateful Dead, not the Grateful Dead, uh, the, the Walking world. Dead. Like the first season. <laughs> well, they're was, grateful that they're walking. Well, the first season was really cool because it gave you this world. And you're like, what are they gonna do? And then the second season was like, it, to me, it was almost like we don't have the budget to really make anything, so we're gonna have to do it all in this one area, this one part of the Georgia forest. Yeah, like that's all <laughs> we're gonna do it. No matter where you are in the in America, Washington D.C., California, Mexico, you name it, you're in that same one square mile I of don't, forest. I don't get it, and but I think that's uh, shows make those decisions. And Jericho, fortunately, was one of the shows that didn't have a lot of watchers. I really enjoyed the concept. There was there's some there's some really neat things you can do when you have a, a platform like that because mm-hmm. you can just. Well, it's you, funny you mentioned this. So I would check it out, man. If you if you, oh I, I I may give another chance. In I fact, give it a B, like a solid B, very enjoyable. As I was waiting for you this morning because I made the studio before you, major miracle. 
I stumbled across on it's on YouTube the the full TV movie of Special Bulletin. I don't look that up. Special Bulletin was an eighties, um, early eighties. They, yeah, they, 1983. They tried to make it like war, the new War of the Worlds where, you know, they treat it like a real news broadcast. But during the commercial breaks, they'd be saying, this, this is not real. This is not real. <laughs> I like the actor's name is literally Ed Flanders. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, great, great actor. Unfortunately, he passed away. He, uh, he unfortunately committed suicide uh, years later. He was in, well, thanks for bringing that up. He was, uh, he was in uh, 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 St. Elsewhere. He was one of the main characters and the main actors in St. Elsewhere. Uh, Exorcist Three. He had very long history, but Special Bulletin is one of those Cold War paranoia things where it's a live news broadcast. Apparently, um, yeah, that terrorists have taken over a tugboat in South Carolina in the harbor, and they say they got a nuke on board. And spoiler alert: the nuke goes off, and people were tripping out over it. I remember watching it, and it, the the only thing that kind of threw me off is one of the actresses they used as a reporter. Was the girlfriend in Highlander, Roxanne Hart? Yeah, so I knew every time she came on, it's like, okay, this is hard for me to get lost in the the whole cinema verite of this uh, uh, because I know well, she wasn't the Conan girlfriend. It wasn't the wife; it was the girlfriend. Yeah, like, the, the modern present, day girlfriend. The present, yeah, yeah, no, Man, no. That, movie, that first half of that BD, movie, so good, dude. Uh, BD, I can't remember her last name. You know what uh, they should have done with Highlander? But, they shouldn't have brought him to the future present. They should have like done that for the second one. Where they kind of they can show the like the actually first, what they should have done with Highlander is stop after the first one. No, no, because you could do because no, the first stop. the first half is really great, like with the whole Scotland thing and like. But you don't know you're immortal until you, you you're suddenly five hundred years later. It's like wait, I'm I'm still well because I, I really dug the whole he watched his wife die. That was really tragic. Yeah, like I get it. I, I felt for that. But mm-hmm. then the, when they went to the presence of that wasn't the same person to me. Well, because he'd had five hundred years to evolve. There's no real in between. No, I mean you're basically telling me that if the the idea all is you had was Connor from the 1500s or Connor from the 1900s, they could have gone. They didn't have to jump that far forward. They could have gone a little bit. So and that's why. Uh, I like that's it. what the series was good with the TV show. Yeah, and so. if if you ever saw the director's cut of Highlander, they had, they actually have a deleted scene, couple of with deleted both of them, scenes. Right? Well, just the the first Highlander movie. Yeah. Uh, there's one that takes place in World War II, where that's where. You know, his secretary in modern day, Rachel. Yeah, the, the older lady. Yeah. He rescues her from the Nazis as a girl, as a, ba- as a young girl, and has been with her all these years. Yeah, see, and it implies cool. that it be- he's a father-daughter, they become lovers, and then she's a mother-son relationship. It's kind of messed up. I mean, that's that's, but that's, there's that also, that's a fetish dream right yeah, there. Yeah, but there's also that other scene where he's talking, and like, hey, remember that time oh, in 1783 so we had the duel? And he keeps on getting stabbed over and over. So you get senses of it. But yeah, in the movie, it's either young Scottish, totally ignorant Highlander or modern day, I'm weary of the world and I want it to be over and nothing in between. That's a good, that's a good point, Dick. I'll, 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 I'll give you that one. I, you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, but watch Special Bulletin. It's on YouTube. I want to check it out. Uh, my dad and I watched Were Eagles Dare. Oh, I love uh, that movie. Night. That's Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I never seen Richard it. Richard Burton. That is an awesome. That movie, movie it was very surprising because, like, the twists and everything. It's so neat to see an older show be smart. That's smart, like considered smart today. Okay, watch the Guns of Navarone. Does that make sense? So, yeah, Guns of Navarone is just like Eat Where Eagles Dare, just where it keeps you guessing who's who, who the good guys you know, are. You know those typical. Is it motifs? Yeah. 
like they they were bred somewhere. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching a, a show that's seventy years ago, you're like, I see what's coming. He did it, or like, mm-hmm. but certain movies catch you by surprise. And it's just that was a clever. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. In about and, another twenty years, the Sixth Sense is going to make a comeback with yeah. with people who just haven't heard about it. You know, we stopped talking about it for sure. And so someone's going to pop it up. Oh my gosh. Well, He's been dead the whole time. Spoiler alert. There we go. Thank you. You can skip me spoiler uh, today. We kind of went all over the place, but we got to take a break. It is the top of the hour. And when we come back, we're going to do the show with our special guest, uh, Dr. Lisa White. She is the president of Sam Houston State University. We're going to talk about Sam Houston State. Uh, yeah. So, Sean, thanks so much, man. I know uh, we got that coming up. Everything's pre-recorded today. Yeah, it's Wednesday for us. It's Friday for you. So we're probably listening to ourselves is it Wednesday right today? now. Tuesday. It's Tuesday for us. It's I'm telling Friday you, man. You. This week has been in a tornado. I'm yeah. like, I have no idea. It's it's you know it's really weird. It's been cloudy all day, so I can't even tell what time it is. I know. So maybe we are stuck in a time loop. Uh, it is right now. We're going to top of the hour, guys. So coming up next after the sponsored break will be our interview with the Sam Houston State president. Feel free to contact us at any time. Like I said, we have dickandskippy at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a phone line that you can call in and leave a message at any time, 936-228-9368. Uh, and also I want to remind everybody that we have a taco review coming out on Monday the 30th. Uh, we went over to McKenzie's Barbecue and, uh, and Burgers. Uh, and, yeah, so coming up, we got an interview, so stick around. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning with scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning. Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep. 
Hey, welcome back to Dick and Skippy in the mornings. I'm the aforementioned Skippy. With me as always is Dick, and we got a special yeah. thing going on here through the magic marvels of technology. We're actually coming to you from the, the, the past. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're time traveling. We are recording today's uh, interview with our special guest, Dr. White. Yeah, Dr. Lisa White, who's the newly installed president of Sam Houston State University. And then with her for emergency backup in case there's a verbal stumble or something is Elisa, uh, is sorry Emily Benetti, who's the uh, uh, assistant director, associate director of communications for Sam Houston State University. Well, wonderful. How's everyone doing, guys? We're doing well, Skippy and Dick. I can't wait to hear what this is going to be. <laughs> right, well, uh, I'm pretty excited about this. Well, good. Well, because we're going to ask a whole bunch of questions about things we don't know, and we're always looking for the answers. Uh, we do know Sam Houston State is a, from what I understand, it's a four-year degree college, but also has a master's, has all different other programs, but primarily there's a campus, uh, the main campus is located in Huntsville, and if you search Sam Houston University, State University, you can find it. I do know they play uh, Abilene Christian University in football, because that's where I went to college. So I know Sam Houston pops up occasionally. Have, do you have an attitude against no, Sam Houston now? No, uh, not at all. I just know. I don't want this to be one of those biased things. I just know that well, was. I have an attitude against Dick now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I believe it. Well, no, that was the only thing. Like all my friends uh, here in the greater Houston area were like, "Hey, let's go watch uh, ACU play Sam Houston State up at the Sam Houston State, like where they play football." Mm -hmm. So that's usually on our radar every year. Is like, are they playing home or away or whatever? My only. So, my only. Uh, a relationship with Sam Houston State is about six months ago they were shooting a movie there and I was in that movie. It was some basketball movie with a guy from Black Panther. You know, the Black Panther movie was the star and I got to play a basketball announcer. Oh, it was recorded in the gym? Yeah. Oh, cool. But I, I who have never... I have oh I who have never witnessed a full basketball game in my entire life. I'm being forced to <laughs> oh, recite geez. dialogue that I have no. And he's dribbling down the center. Of this, but uh, so Doctor White, let's get a, like a nickel tour of Sam Houston State for those who don't know it. Uh, what's the history of it, and what what does it offer? So th this is a this is an institution that really has a niche. We have just under twenty two thousand students. We actually are a doctoral institution. Uh, that's our uh, classification. So we have uh, 11 doctoral degrees, a professional medical doctorate degree, 60-something um, master's degrees, oh, and 90-plus wow. and uh, baccalaureate degrees. And so, so we are very comprehensive. We were started in 1879, so we have a long history here. Of course, we're named for Sam Houston, who is from this area, and and we like to say that that something that was important to him and his his legacy of honor is something that we hope every Bearcat has. Uh, we had a ring ceremony last week where every uh, class ring that the students bought was inscribed with the word honor inside, and we think that sets us apart. I will say when I moved to Conroe almost 10 years ago, majority of the working professionals that I met went to Sam Houston State University, which to me was extremely unique. Because what I, from what I understand, the kind of the mentality of people who live and work here is they go to get their education locally and they stay local and they bring kind of the commerce cycle through that. Because a lot of people who go to the bigger, I would say like, you know, the Harvard, like quotation Harvards, the th they don't hang out there. 
they go across the world. But like what I love about Sam Houston is the reputation it's it's given to me is from the local people who want to make our community a better community, and that's where they went to school. So well, it, and I think the Sam Houston pride probably kicks in on that. I mean, my my dad loved everything Sam Houston. There's this book it. called The Raven, and he read it every year. Uh, I, I, I say this with all my love, my heart. The the, the Alzheimer's helped because he could read it every year, and it would be. <laughs> It was like reading it for the first time, but he would just go on about, you know, his relationships uh, with with uh, the local residents and the Indian nations and stuff uh, or Native or Native American nations. Uh, and just right. Right. And so to, to have that that name attached to such a prestigious organization, I think, is great. Uh, now, let's talk about you because you recently became the president, right? That's right, the beginning of August. I moved here from Austin Peay State University in Tennessee, who also was a governor of Tennessee, as was uh, Sam Houston. So I may be the only president in the country to have been at two institutions, both named for Tennessee governors. Okay, we need to figure out a way to put that on you know, Facebook or something. You Don't know. you think? That's right. Come, come to Sam part. Houston State, the, the, the governor president. So uh, how did this dump into your lap? Did you know where the bodies were hit, hidden, or did they call you one day and say, we need a new prez? I do know where the bodies are hidden. And, and actually, that's, that's truer than you think. So I was in Texas before I went back to Tennessee to leave Austin P. I I was at the University of Texas at Arlington, the University of Texas at Tyler, and a Midwestern state. And so I knew of, of Sam Houston's reputation. But about a year and a half ago, I was part of an accreditation review team and visited campus. Uh, each review team has a president selected out of this nine state area and did a deep dive into where those bodies are and looked at budget, looked at athletics, looked at governance, looked at, at student success. And, and so I, I really had a very deep understanding of the data part and then met a lot of people here and just was so um, enamored with the focus on student success, the access mission that we have. Our goal is to get them in and get them out and get them jobs. And I had no idea at the time that President Hoyt would even remotely think of, of retiring from the presidency. So I just left it there. And then when, when the position came open, someone nominated me for this job, uh, contacted the search firm, and I, did, I just still don't know who it is. <laughs> I'm just grateful for it. But when it came my way to ask if I were interested in applying, oh, it was, it was a no-brainer. It's a great institution. Well, we're glad to have you back, although I'm a little disappointed. Dick had intimated there was a bloodless coup that had happened, but apparently it's just <laughs> man, retirements. I, I thought it was retirement with air quotes, but apparently yeah. it was an actual retirement. So. I followed a rock star, so, I, uh, yeah, oh well. Well, one thing I want to let our listeners know, if you don't uh, mind explaining to them, is explain to them, like, the age groups of students you're looking for, especially when an enrollment comes by. Because I know in today's working field, like, people are going back to school, people are taking a couple years off after they graduate high school before they go to school, or some people literally will skip high school and go to college, or like you know. And I'd like to throw into that mix kind of what the COVID world has brought to en enrollment at Sam Houston. So I'll let you take it, Doctor. Sure. Uh, you know our enrollment is up this fall. We set another record, but not not in first time full time freshmen. I think freshmen generally are concerned about operating in a COVID environment, but that's a national trend. In fact, the national trend is for an overall decrease in enrollment. 
Texas is very fortunate that we still have a lot of people who want to be educated and who are graduating from high school. The, the difference in the SAM student, I think very often goes to um, that student's desire or need to work. 75% of our students work. And so when you're talking about a lot of people in Conroe who've come through SAM Houston, what, what alumni tell me frequently is they love to hire our grads because when they do, those graduates not only are well-versed in their fields, but they are ready to work. They already know how to work. They have uh, mastered the discipline of work. And if you get the right attitude and someone with a great work ethic, then there are a lot of things that you can teach that person to do who's, who's got that great education. So we get a lot of that, but we also have a lot of non-traditional students who have families and, and they wanna be uh, retooling. And of course we have a lot of graduate programs. So what happens, you'll go into an industry and then realize you need a master's degree if you want a promotion, you go to grad school, or you decide you need another specialization. And obviously look, look at criminal justice and Homeland Security. Was Homeland Security a real well-known uh, concept 20 years ago? It was in security uh, areas, but now it's a well-known concept to all of us, will never be the same after September 11, right? Mm -hmm. And so master's degrees can help people who have uh, spent a lifetime or, or planned for a particular career adapt to changes in the field. And so we have a lot of students who come back to graduate uh, degrees. We also have undergraduate students who went somewhere else and life got in the way and they, and they quit. They, they got married, had families, and decided, you know, I've got 60 hours, I've got 90 hours, or maybe I've got 30 hours. I need an education to compete well in today's environment and they come back to school. So we actually have a, a pretty broad range of student body. The challenge for, for us in a COVID environment is this, this concept of community. The students who were here already, freshmen last year, are pretty ensconced in, in, in the community already. And so they're not having as much fun maybe in their whole lives as they did a year ago, but that's true wherever you go. <laughs> but the freshmen who had their senior years interrupted and then they're here as freshmen, and we are offering a lot of online classes and a lot of face-to-face -face classes and a lot of hybrid classes, but our, our athletics events have been, have been um, postponed until the spring. They're not having the same experience. And so we're, we're now focusing on trying to pull them in to have a sense of community and a connection with the university because that aids retention. We will have 17 sports teams who compete in the spring. And every, each semester we are getting better at those hybrid classes. And we're all actually offering more face-to-face -face classes in the fall because we found some larger spaces that we're turning into classrooms so that students can mask and socially distance and still uh, more students have a face-to-face -face environment. Because one of my, uh, we, we've had several interns here, and you kind of have to reflect on the time I went to school, and then, I, of course, Sean. Is it, the worry I would Back have... Back when dinosaurs roamed well, the earth. Well, yeah. The, the worry I kind of think about is, what is the value of the education you're receiving during COVID? Uh, because the challenges, the new challenges it presents for new students and also old students, uh, I think that's kind of like, how could you tell people, hey, we're still giving the best uh, education possible, and if not, even better, because we're always improving our tools the way we teach. 
Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that? How to tell people that? I can, and and I think what happened last spring, turning everything nationally, moving everything online, just in a heartbeat in a week, was not the best educational experience for anyone. Having everything remote and online for children in K through 12 is not ideal either. That's really challenging for younger students. But I've done a lot of research on hybrid uh, pedagogy or, or, or teaching methods specifically, because when I was provost, which is the vice president for academic affairs at another Texas institution, we, we put in place an $8 million project, course redesign project specifically for hybrid learning, which is a blend of online and face-to-face. -face. And we collected a lot of data. And if it's done correctly, student satisfaction is higher and learning is higher. And so higher than either just face-to-face -face or just online. Now, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're getting there because a lot of, you know, when you, when you do that course redesign project, you spend a lot of thought and time in construction in constructing and building materials. And so the more time we have here in this environment, the better we are at making that experience robust. And so my, my thinking is, is that, let's say that you, you have an attitude, I'm just gonna wait until everything gets back to normal. <laughs> uh, if, yeah, exactly, exactly. If you wait till it gets back to normal, you don't know when it's gonna be. Also, life is tough and gets in the way. And if you stop out, it's also challenging. So you may not be having as much fun as you might get otherwise, but you are getting an education that will, and you're getting out without as much debt. The longer you swirl in school, the more debt you have. And you can get in and out and then start your earning power, which also makes a difference in retirement. And so this idea of stopping out, I think has a lot of challenges to it as well. I'm wanting people to get in, get what they need and know that we are continuing to hone and work and improve to offer the quality education that they deserve. Awesome. Uh, <clears throat> so Dr. White, I'm, I don't know a second. <clears throat> Sorry, allergies, I swear, not COVID. Uh, I knew about Sam Houston's baccalaureate programs. And when I was out there that, that day for the movie, I mean, it looks it, it just, it was a sprawling campus, beautiful buildings. I did not know, how much it had its fingers in the uh, the medical world, and I know you have the the College of Osteopathic Medicine, and I know, also know that in Conroe you there's a health clinic coming. So for that kind of hands-on experience, how are you how are you able to keep up with that in these changing times? Well, I'll say first the uh, clinic is open, and so they, oh, they have yes, they are operational with um, their leader, Dr. Boudreau, has over 20 years of clinical experience. And then uh, the, one of our professors of family medicine, Dr. McKernan, has also been in Montgomery County for many, many years as a practicing physician. And so it's it's a family medical clinic, and it is open for business, which is which is pretty exciting. I think there's no more important time than now for healthcare <laughs> education, and that's not just because I'm getting older that I say that. It's certainly truer as I'm getting older, right? I've taken a marked interest in extending my own life, so I'm with you exactly, on that. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, today we're, we're dealing with population health, community health. Uh, we're talking about conditions that affect members of our population differently. 
based on their, their income level, their access to healthcare. And so a lot of our programs deal with things like uh, uh, allied health uh, in our nursing program, you can deal with diabetes and, and things that really impact certain communities at a higher rate than others. And so we're very committed to being stewards of place, trying to improve the lives of our citizens. So we have a full DO program there in Conroe, a medical college, which started this fall. And I don't know that I could even be more excited than I am about that because one of our uh, Sam Houston alums is the national head. He's the president of the American Association of Osteopathic, uh, Osteopathic Medicine. And well, he actually lives where I just came from. Huh, small world. Yeah, in Tennessee. And he is a, he's a Sam grad. And so we're, we're putting out these uh, doctors of osteopathic medicine. We have a very well-subscribed nursing program in the Woodlands, also in Montgomery County. And that program, um, last year we had 100% pass rate on the national licensing exam. Wow. Which is really amazing. And so we have work in, in population health. We have work in, um, listen to this, this is one of my favorites. We have a concentration degree in, in uh, bilingual health. Texas hmm. is changing. We need mm -hmm. to provide excellent health care to all members of our population. And, and we don't all speak the same language. And so we have clinical practices. We have a lot of the allied health programs. And we're looking at additional programs, things in, in uh, like respiratory therapy. And so we continue to look for ways that we can put people out there. And, and COVID is not a great environment to do it, but it, frankly, it may be the environment that, me, that says we need more of those. Mm -hmm. And so we're just putting in, in very, very clean, uh, clear uh, protocols for cleaning. We're requiring distancing, we're requiring masks. And then uh, when you've got the clinicals where you can't do that, we really focus on personal protective equipment. Awesome, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out, um, you know, my alma mater's got a, a nursing program up here too so i think there should be like cage match or smackdowns or something between the two schools and last person standing last nurse standing gets the prize i would say anybody who can put a nurse out practicing for all of us that's a good thing go for <laughs> it we need more of them not fewer okay so we'll we'll, we'll play nice with this one uh well yeah as i mean long I, as we're not on the basketball court or the football field i i'm yeah. collaborative <laughs> Well, I, I think what's interesting, uh, and I imagine it for the listeners, is just the overall scope of Sam Houston because it is in Huntsville, but you have several locations, like you said, the one in Connor, which is basically, folks that don't know where it is, it's south on uh, on 45, right before Crichton exit, I think, before, right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's kind of that's kind of something that people who think about going back to school or going to, uh, higher to seek higher education, a lot of people shouldn't overlook Sam Houston regardless of if you live far away or because like you say you do have online classes and hybrid classes but like in Conroe for some reason I think Sam Houston State is the main school like you go to ask anybody or you have a higher chance of meeting somebody who attended and graduated from Sam Houston State University than pretty much any other university I don't know what it's like in the Woodlands but I know Conroe is like that when I go to networking events and do kind of leadership things those are the primary people you meet who go who attended uh, Sam Houston State University. So, Well, in the Woodlands, we get the people who've already graduated and just you oh, know, give them the oh jobs. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That's how we roll in the Woodlands. Well, well and think about it, though. Think of the traffic situation. So I'm going to Houston tomorrow. Um, 
I can get to Conroe in 30 minutes and in the woodlands in 40. And if I just had a straight shot into Houston, it would be no big deal. But even if I went to Houston recently on a Saturday to get some photography equipment, it took me an hour and a half and a dead stop on the highway on a Saturday. And so when you think about access to education, it's not bad to come up here. Yeah, <laughs> going against the traffic, the traffic. Away from yeah. the traffic and then go home. You know, it's, it's not bad at all. Now, Dr. White, you may have accidentally just given us a peek into your, your private life. You're talking about photography equipment. So when you're not running a university and, you know, saving the world that way, what do you, what do you like to do in the off season? I like to fish. Fish, okay. Uh, yes, uh, the photography equipment was for my husband. So I was his birthday was in July, and I, and I said, okay, would you like something for an outdoor kitchen for your birthday? He said, yes. So we moved. And I said, I'll get it for you when we move. And it didn't really fit our, <laughs> our, our, our house. And so he got a camera. Man, I'm on the wrong career path. My birthday was in July. My wife got me a Taco Bell gift card. So we're going to have to have some conversations off the air. Well, so- I, well, let me ask you something because I'm not too familiar with the area around Huntsville. Now, I mean, because to me, it's growing, just like Conroe's growing, because that's where we broadcast. So there's a lot of opportunities, especially for younger, uh, I would say seniors or juniors in high school, wanting to know what's going on around in Huntsville. What it, like, it, you said fishing. I bet fishing up there is pretty great because of this, the park. I mean, you're right there. The state parks are right there. I don't know if there's a lot of fishing in the parks, but I bet there is. Uh, Lots of lakes around here. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, tell, tell uh, some of the listeners, like, hey, this is what's going on in Huntsville to attract more people. Like what? Like to go up there. So we have a, we have the forest, obviously, which is really really beautiful. And when you think about in a COVID environment, particular COVID environment particularly, you want activities that are outside. And so if you can get people out into the parks, it's a great great thing. We have nice nice golf courses here. In fact, one is owned by the university. We have a PGA management uh, bachelor's degree which is, is one of the few wow. countries. And we have a wonderful uh, golf course, public golf course, that's actually reasonable. It's one that, that you don't have to be a member to, uh, to golf and, and you can actually afford it, which is pretty cool. We've got some wonderful art galleries, wonderful historic houses. We have museums. And then of course, the students, I've got three, three grandchildren. And so um, if I were speaking more to their generations, I would say also, they're all the usual suspects for a college town but because <laughs> I am asking people to socially distance. I am not going to tell you about any of them, but no, they're here. Well, that's what, well, cause that's what is kind of interesting. Like when I went, when I attended school at ACU, you didn't really think of Abilene being, you know, like a big town, but it really, like you start going, when I attended, you started noticing like, these are really cool places. This is like not a bad, but you're not, you're six hours away from here, but I'm surprised you didn't talk about the body farm. The body farm. What, yeah, man. Sam Houston has uh, Sam Houston State has like one of the six only body farms for forensic studies. Oh, okay. My brain was going down a completely different avenue. So you got to explain to me what the body yeah, farm this is. is. Not, you, okay. I thought it was a place I went to on my bachelor party. No, like well, Sam not. Houston State. Like my brother, I have family, a lot of family members who are officers, and Sam Houston State is where they tended to go to get higher education for a lot. Yeah, it's different got things. a strong criminal justice yeah. uh, program and, there. And part of that is their uh, body farm. So yeah, t- can you tell Sean about the body farm, please? <laughs> yes, please. I'm I curious. Can tell you about the body farm. Yeah, that's I, cool. I went to visit 
recently and looked at the research that they're doing there and people come from all over the world yep. actually to to study in our body farm and, and the idea is we we do have one of the best forensic science programs in the country and we provide a lot of assistance also as a service and as consultants um, in forensic science and you can look at what happens to people with disease for instance i, I recently saw the skeleton of um, someone who, whose family um, um, wanted her, her life to be remembered in science. And this was a, a body uh, with cystic fibrosis and, and, I, and it was a very, hmm. very delicate skeleton. And, I, and, and so the reason I'm gonna use this example is in this case, this particular person um, lost the ability to walk. Now many, many cystic fibrosis uh, patients live very full lives very healthy all of their lives and so this is not always the, the case but in this particular case this person had very brittle uh bones that that looked looked almost like uh, cottage cheese and I said, well, or, or swiss cheese maybe well, what is this well there's no weight bearing no weight bearing. so what happens to a bone where there's no weight born on the bone it was it's a visual of things that we think about all the time but we don't really see uh, what happens to the body itself. They look at, at uh, crime evidence and can examine what happens if someone has been shot or if someone were hit with a blunt force or someone were, were the victim of an, of an arson. You know, so we have um, one of, of the top body farms in the world and we've got some renowned oh, yeah. scientists from all around the world who look at these these uh, types of evidences to promote science and to solve crimes, and I'll say one other thing. One of the things I was very struck with when I when I went to visit is how respectfully these remains are treated. I was very proud of our team because I, I was even thinking. Um, in fact, I told my husband I was going to donate him without his permission, which I wouldn't <laughs> do, and you can't do anyway. But I was very pleased with the respect and the honor that these remains were given, even in science. Oh, that's, yeah, that's well, great. Well, I will let Sean actually know they don't do tours. They, I was about to ask if they're tours, because no, when I was a kid, no, I took a tour of Scotland be, Yard, and it was amazing. You got to be certified. You got to go to the school. You got to be somewhat connected with the school or through the certification, because like, it's really big. So I've got to so, join a forensic program yeah. and get degreed and licensed yeah. just so i can go on this go tour see decaying bodies and different okay. elements and like you should have like a tour tuesday and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna no. leave it there they was just, just not happening oh, dang it okay well, a, a best case they'll do a museum that way they can concentrate people over there because you don't want to show people what they're researching like that's okay I, i'll grant you that so but you know because the body farm is one of those things that really interested me because it it it's one of the many cool things that Sam Houston does. Now, you, you, we are a radio station, and I know Sam Houston has a really big communication school. Uh, so do you yeah. want to tell the audience a little bit about that, too? Well, I will tell you that our communication building is named, bada bing, the Dan Rather <laughs> Communication Building, because Dan Rather is a graduate of Sam Houston State yeah. University. Okay. Which is amazing. And I will tell you that another of our, of our very famed faculty members is is uh, Peter Roussel, who is an assistant press secretary, and he is working with uh, Mike Yon. Dr. Yon is a political science professor, and, and they're putting on this Dateline Democracy um, event 
this this year this year this fall actually and they've had people like sam donaldson and and uh, susan page who, who moderated the vice presidential debate um uh, we had to cancel uh, andrea mitchell's or defer it delay it because she's been pretty busy with election and so her her schedule time was two days after the election and the election has was not ending at that, <laughs> at that yeah. time, so that will be delayed. But our the focus of our mass comp program really is is to have this blend of theory and then of course uh, the interaction with people who are professionals in their fields and give students access to people who are professionals. We also have a very robust film effort in the communication um, program, uh, not the program, but in the college now, mm -hmm. and we've got uh, some very successful independent filmmakers who also have had quite a bit of, of uh, national and international recognition, even at Sundance. Nice. I knew Peter uh, back in the day, like 20 years ago when I worked for the Mayor's Literacy Coalition. So good, cool. to, good to yeah. see that he's still gamefully employed. <laughs> he is. And don't tell him he could do anything else. He brings a lot of, of uh, interesting people. And of course, his own background is highly interesting. I just finished his book this weekend uh -huh. called Ruffled Flourishes, I think, about the life of a press secretary in um, D.C. And he and, and some folks here on campus are going to do some musical theater. They've already done one uh, musical theater um, effort based on that book and now they're adding to it so it'll it'll be released pretty soon wow i got I, i'm 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 a theater guy so i gotta check that out uh, for those of, those of you who tuned in late to us we have we are talking with dr lisa white who's the new president for sam houston state university up in huntsville lots of great stuff going on and if you're hitting us now rewind the podcast or or the live facebook stream because you got to hear this from the beginning yeah there's a lot going on at sam houston state and, and uh we covered some like not so known stuff. I mean, the body farm. I can't believe you didn't know about the body farm, man. Um, Nor I. Yeah, uh, and then I think for kind of wrapping up the interview today, Doctor Y is like, you know, where's the best place to get information? Is like, is there a place uh, on the phone, like a phone number or something that you kind of have the the, the the I guess the doors? What doors? Where are they located so I can start going to school? Oh, hey. You you can just call me directly and, okay. and I'll do what I can. But actually the best way to get information because there's so much information is on our website, which okay. is www.shsu for Sam Houston State University.edu. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can get links to apply. You can look up uh, faculty or programs. You can get a little tour on campus. And our campus is stunningly gorgeous. It's walkable. It's a little bit hilly. We all have great calves here. <laughs> it, it is a gorgeous campus, and um, if you want to come, you know, come see us in the spring too. Come to one of the sporting events, and you'll get a flavor of campus then too. We're going to be socially distanced, being really, really careful, uh, but I think we can compete well in the spring. Solid, uh, Doctor White. The last question for me was. I'm the master of like the lost cause. If I get called in to take over a new organization, usually they're floundering and, and I got to turn it around. What it seems with you is that you were given a very strong, steady ship. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the wheel's been passed to you. So what do you have like a, a five year plan? I mean, obviously you want growth and stuff, but coming in, it's not like you have to fix anything broken. What, what, what are your plans? You're exactly right. And, and even my last institution, I followed a very good, strong president 
just like following a very good, strong president here. You know, the, the medical school just started in the fall and one of, of my really important uh, foci is working on making that, working with the dean and the provost, a, a thriving school because anytime you start up, you need to get financial support and continue to grow. We're asking for um, help from the state to build a building adjacent to that particular property there in Conroe, mm -hmm. where we would add additional um, health-related programs. And so the plan is to continue to, to look to the future, to what Texans need in terms of, of educational programs, and then make sure that we provide those programs and be very responsive to the workforce, be responsive to helping our, our uh, students graduate and have the skills they need to be productive citizens and contributing citizens, help them take care of their families, be, you know, be prepared for a lifetime uh, of service, which is our motto, by the way, the measure of life is its service, which I think is, is fabulous too. And so, and I will say that we are going to, we are, we are working diligently to increase our efforts on diversity and that's just because we have a wonderfully diverse student body and as texas becomes more diverse we want to make sure that we continue to attract and hire uh, people to help them and work with them um, who reflect the, the general population here and so we want to be a very open respectful place for all Sam Houston uh, students and for our communities. That's awesome. I do know that when we broadcast our show, we usually get a lot of people commenting live. So if it's yeah. okay with you, as people listening to this are probably going to be asking questions. We'd love to forward these to you. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. And it's wonderful. And, and I feel bad. Emily's been sitting there the whole time, hasn't been able to say a word. I think we should let her say, you know, hi, mom, or, or something like that. Because she set this whole thing up, especially, especially after me, like getting confused and, punking out of the original time we were supposed to do this. Well, you didn't go to Sam Houston State. I, if I but gone to Sam Houston State. Yeah. Of course. You know, I knew it. Emily, you got something to say? You're just... Uh... Well, I, I would be happy to add in how um, a great plug for our performing arts program. Yeah. bring up earlier. And it's really great how much these kids and students are pulling off virtual uh, productions. Mm -hmm. So for... So if you're in the Woodlands and in Conroe and you don't want to make the trip up to Huntsville, that's okay. You can still enjoy live productions from the comfort and safety of your home. And I'm all about that. That's, that's great. I'm involved in many of those myself. Good. Oh, wonderful. Well, ladies, thank, and uh, Dr. and Emily, thank you so much yeah. for being on the show today. This is great information. Now, you're going to come back sometime, right, and let us know like when things start getting normal and and stuff we love to and we love radio we're both we both have radio backgrounds so that'd be awesome yeah well uh again thank you cool. so maybe much maybe they can give us pointers dick oh well, yeah <laughs> thanks man well if folks who are listening we are going to put all the info links and everything in the descriptions of on the various platforms this will be available on uh, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna get back to the live version of the show. Yeah, because this it's is like magic. Yeah, it's just magic. So uh, stay tuned. You've been listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings here on IrelandStar.com, and uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IrelandStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. 
more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoy today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.